0: Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message. And I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. So, uh... Andrew Itzen is scared of birds, right? Most of us know that. If you don't know who Andrew was, he was our preacher here prior to Eric, and he's scared of birds. He shared some kind of story, like when he was a kid, his mom opened a cage and a canary flew after him or something. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, but Andrew Itzen was scared of birds. So knowing me, and some of you knowing me anyway, you would know that I would have to do something about that. So I went to Walmart, and I bought this little guy, and I hid it in his office. I put it on the top shelf, and I put it back where it could barely be seen. And then probably about 10 or 12 times a day, you would hear. Now, if you're scared of birds, that's probably not a good thing, right? So I put this up on on the top shelf of his uh, office, and I just let it go, and and I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And nothing ever happened. I'm like, man, Teresa and I are talking about night. I said, you know, she would say, Jeff, he's just messing with you. Give it some time. So, probably after about a month and a half, two months, he comes out to preach one Sunday morning and he has this little bird with him and he says it right there. I'm like, uh oh, I've had it now. So, he couldn't find it. For a month and a half, he kept hearing his whistling. It was driving him crazy. He couldn't find it. Well, Cruz's son walks in one day and it whistled and he goes, Daddy, what's that? He goes, I don't know. He goes, well, it's right there, and then that's Cruz gave it away. That's how they found it. So, Andrew isn't scared of birds. Now, Andrew moves to Madison. We hire Eric Gray, wonderful preacher, love him. But you know what happens the first week he's here? A bird flies into a window and knocks itself out. Do you know what he does? He reaches out for help. He says, "I'm not going out there. Somebody's going to help me. I'm scared of birds." Wait a minute, two preachers in a row scared of birds. What's going on here? Maybe that should be a question the elders should ask. Are you scared of birds, right? So I've been trying to figure this out, how these two, both these guys are just phenomenal preachers. Phenomenal preachers, but they're both scared of birds. So not that long ago, I wish I could say I wrote this lesson and I kind of put it together, but I read a couple articles and I figured out why Andrew and Eric are scared of birds right so here's my theory can I leave it as a theory here is my theory every Sunday morning you see I believe these birds perch among us right they're here you might even imagine use your imagination this morning there might even be a raven sitting here right now you can imagine looking at you and what's it ready to do What is it ready to do? Now, our scripture this morning would say, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. We all know the parable of the sower and the things that happened there. A farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. You see them every Sunday morning. They're here. They're perching among our rafters. They're sitting in front of us. And and can you imagine, if you will, as our singing ends and the preacher gets up to come up here and share the word of God with us, he lays open his notes, his Bible. The people are fidgeting in the pew. They're a little bit ready to hear the word of God this morning. And he's coming through, you know, Eric, through Andrew, the different ones. And these crows, these ravens are stirring in anticipation. Jesus heard those ravens. So he gets up and he's going to teach. He goes, you know, a guy went out to sow a seed. Some of the seed fell along the roadway. These birds came and just devoured it. He heard the birds. Do you hear them this morning? Because as Eric gets up here and he starts to share the word of God with us, the good seed, it meets the path. This hard And trampled path, unplowed and unhumbled heart. Disinterest, distraction, carelessness, laziness, and ignorance all keep the seed out. The truth of Christ, the truth of sin, the truth of salvation goes into a person's ear, rests atro- rest, excuse me atop their heart, and never enters their heart. And because it never enters their heart, it is there right for the picking. I hate that my PowerPoint's not working correctly because you can see wings floating in the background. That guy's supposed to be moving the whole time to keep you all freaked out this morning. It did not work. So anyway, they're here. Now, if that seed were to stay there long enough, would it be absorbed by the heart? Well, maybe. But you see, the seed doesn't stay there long at all because Jesus tells this parable, he spreads the word, and then he watches it get eaten by the birds. And they're watching us. A kernel of seed rests for a few moments, and it is exposed, and all of a sudden swoop, this dark flash comes down and the seed disappears. The word about the dying God, the word of life, the word of warning, it's gone. It's been devoured. Maybe there's a feather left in its place, I don't know. The picture Jesus gives within that parable should unsettle us. Well, what could the birds refer to, Jesus? Are you talking about literal birds? What are you talking about? What are you saying to your disciples? When Mark chapter 4, verse 15, he gives us the answer. He says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, in other words, they hear the word, they hear the seed, the seed is scattered. As soon as they hear it, Satan, the bird, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Man, to me, that's just an amazing statement, that the Word of God, the seed is sown, and Satan's right there, ready to pull it out of your heart. So who devours this rejected seed from sermon hearers? Well, Christ said it was Satan. Satan. And, and he's ready to do that and he pecks at the soil of our hearts and, and that beak steals away that, that miracle seed that is there to change us, to transform us. His eyes shift to and fro looking for the gospel truth to devour. You see, to me, this is just a, 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 a horrible revelation. That they're always Surveying that they're always looking down upon your congregation for ignored gospel words and they are hungry. We can imagine our discomfort if physical birds were sitting above us right now, couldn't we? (laughs) For a multitude of reasons. How agitated would we feel if every time Jesus was mentioned, they swooped down and came pecking at our ears? But Jesus reveals something to us even more alarming than that. More disturbing to these disciples. These ravens feed with malice upon words that would save a sinner's soul. These ravens feed with malice upon words that would save a sinner's soul. Now, what we need to realize is that you and I might miss a Sunday sermon. Satan does not. You and I might, yeah, my typo, might neglect the word, and he will not. It's something for us to think about. You know, I think that it's probably a safe thing to say that we really don't think about Satan a whole lot in our everyday lives. But I can guarantee you, and it's, it's supported by Scripture, that he thinks of us. See, We imagined him out with these murderous, adulterous, false teachers on a Sunday morning. We don't imagine him here at the church. But I believe, and I believe the word supports once again, that his greatest object of his villainy, of his his treacherous way every Sunday is to rob hearts of truth-filled, Christ-exalting sermons. Why do we forget this? How does he do it? Have we ever thought about that? You know, the sad part is he doesn't feast for his nourishment. He feasts so you won't. That sinners might not find Christ. Luke's account has it this way. He says, the way the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Listen to this again, Luke's account. The devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Paul calls it, This way, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, he says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, in other words, Jesus would have us hear, and through hearing with faith, we would see his glory. Listen, behold. How many times did he use those words to start a statement? He's yelling, listen, behold, this bird is shrieking, dismiss, ignore and how do they do it? How do they do it? How, how do demons steal the word from our hearts? How do these birds devour the world? And, and while they do so decisively and they do so finally, we just he's stolen words from our mouths as well. I think a lot of you know that one of my favorite books of all time is the Screwtape Letters C.S. Lewis. And what that about is, is, is screw tape, a senior demon, counsels his nephew, Wormwood, to stop employing argument to secure his patient's unbelief. So don't argue with him. Just give him jargon, to, to he counsels. To illustrate, he tells a story of one of his humans who wandered off into a dangerous thoughts, in other words, Christian thoughts, while at the British Museum. Can I read this for you? So this guy's in a museum. He's having... Christian-type thoughts, I guess is the way I want to describe it. And this is what the senior demon tells the junior. This is the way you handle this. Before I knew where I was, I saw my 20 years' work beginning to totter. If I had lost my head and begun to attempt a defense by argument, I should have been undone. But I was not such a fool. I struck instantly at the part of the man which I had best under my control and suggested that it was just about time he had lunch. Sunday afternoon lunch, how many of us think about that? That's a big decision for us. Once again, if you ever start a restaurant, name it I don't care. Where are we gonna go to lunch? I don't care. You'll be rich. Where are we gonna go to lunch? Oh man, I just couldn't concentrate. Did you see that annoying mannerism of the preacher? He can't stand still, he uses his hands all the time. What's wrong with that guy? And then we have, you know, poor Steve sitting back here. Mr. Braley's glaring baldness, staring from the pew in front of me. How can you concentrate on anything? When the, all the lights are on, Steve has to wear sunglasses, right? But it's always something. It's always a distraction. Uh, what about, there's no Mrs. Jones here, is there? I tried to come up with a name. I couldn't think of any name. Yeah. What about Mrs. Jones' unavoidable perfume? It follows her everywhere she goes, and it lingers. How can I concentrate on anything? You see, we don't think of these things typically, do we, as a distraction? I wonder how many words of a sermon have been lost, because maybe my stomach's ground a little bit, and I'm thinking, well, if it's up to Callie and Liam, it's either going to be Buffalo Wild Wings or Cactus Cantina. I wonder where we're going today. See what I'm saying? Anything to keep us from concentrating on his sermon, on his word. So, can Satan really distract us by placing thoughts in our minds? Well, yeah, I'm gonna say it's even more than that. He wants to get in attention. He wants to get into our ill will and he wants to get into our ignorance. And he continually... Continually plants these seeds. And I'm going to turn my back on you. I know that you're not supposed to do that, but I don't want to read this to you. I want you to think about Satan pecking at the mind. First Chronicles 21:12. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, Go and count the Israelites from Beersheba to Dan, then report back to me that I may know how many there are. Who got him to do that? Satan. It put it in his mind. Acts 5 3, or 33. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has kept. I'm sorry, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Who did it? How has Satan so filled your heart? John 13, 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Who prompted him? 2 Corinthians 11, 3, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. John 8, 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Every one of these instances, and so many more, we go over and over and over. Satan is putting those thoughts into their minds to pull them away from God. So you see these birds, they're, they're pecking at our mind. I believe that Satan works overtime to keep us from giving serious attention to the Word of God. Maybe he keeps us up really late on a Saturday night so that we can't stay awake. He may put a dozen different distractions around you in the service to take your mind away. He may send thoughts into your mind about tomorrow's meeting with your boss. If he can only distract you so that the sounds coming out of the preacher's mouth go in one ear and out the other, he will have successfully taken away the Word of God. He would have successfully made it ineffectual for you. Inattention is his game. Always has been, always will be. We see Satan hovering above us. We don't imagine him here. Suggesting different thoughts, mocking what's being said, bringing endless distractions to keep your mind from the truth. Why? He does not want that seed to germinate and grow that you might change and follow anyone other than him. He strikes the seal. And what we need to understand when we long for a distraction, Satan will provide it. How many well-timed daydreams about the football game? Who's going to win this? Two weeks? yeah. Who's going to win? How many well-timed daydreams about the football game or this week's plan have stolen serious contemplation about Christ from our own hearts Sunday after Sunday? When we gather together here, we might not view it as such, but sometimes it's a battleground. Because every week we will feast on the Word of God or we won't. I want to read a quote from J.C. Ryle. He wrote a book called The Expository Thoughts on Luke. It says, He is ever watching for our halting and seeking occasion to destroy our souls, but nowhere perhaps is the devil so active as in a congregation of gospel hearers. Nowhere does he labor so hard to stop the progress of that which is good. Remember that part, the progress of that which is good. And to prevent men and women from being saved, from him coming wandering thoughts and roving imagination, listless minds, dull memories, sleepy eyes and fidgety nerves, weary ears and distracted attention. In all these things, Satan has a great hand. People wonder where they come from and marvel how it is that they find sermons so dull, and remember them so badly, they forget the parable of the sower. They forget the devil. I know, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and, 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 and tell you I'm anything but what I am. There are times when I've got to the park a lot and I forgot what the sermon was. You ever done that? I'm not proud of that whatsoever. It, it was like I never even heard the sermon. I want us to remember, as I plead with you in closing, A man might refuse to leave his jail cell for the promise of freedom that Christ offers. But he might reconsider that decision if he knew there was a tiger in his cage. You're not alone in your unbelief. Satan is with you. He, 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 he lays siege to your attention. He b- blinds you from the glory of Christ. Before you get to that parking lot, just, just, just forget about what you heard. Think about what you're going to eat, what you ate, what you would not. Maybe we need to think about Jesus saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I believe that Satan's here. He's among us. He's, he's stealing the good out of our hearts if we let him. And, and I think it's not just hearing the word of God, but I think it's everyday life. What happens when you want to give somebody, think about this for just a second. What happens when you want to give somebody a compliment? What happens when you want to give somebody a hug? Isn't there something in the back of your mind giving you a hundred reasons not to do it? I can't really tell her she has a beautiful smile because in today's world, right? I, I can't really tell him how much I, I appreciate him. How, how could I tell another man that I love him? I'm a man. You see what I'm saying? We're robbed of those opportunities. The opportunity comes to do good. James says, if you know to do good, do it not. The same is. I can tell you one thing. If I get out of bed in the morning and you're in my mind, I'm going to call you that morning. Man, I'm thinking of you. Everything okay? I just love you, appreciate you. Let's, let's say in a prayer for you today. I hope things are well. Why? Because Satan wants to pull that away. He doesn't want us to do that. Why? Because he wants to rob us and break our families apart he doesn't want me to tell james hammond tree that i think he's a really good dude does he he does not want me to tell you know tell brad how much i appreciate everything he does with our sound and he's constantly doing stuff for on our security don't tell him that just let it go don't tell this church that you love them why because it might make us closer Because Satan's pecking at your heart. Now, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, maybe you've identified that there are ravens among us. Maybe something's pulling at you this very morning, but you're saying, man, I can't go up in front of everybody. Good news, you don't have to. Our shepherds are gonna be in the front. They're gonna be in the back. They're gonna be here after the service. You wanna talk with them, talk with me, talk with any of our members here about this family. Why do you guys do things this way? What's going on over here? Oh man, that would just pump us up to have the opportunity to talk with you about that. If you're visiting, I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel loved. I've got some very special visitors here. We've got a young cowboy in the back, his little baby, beautiful sister named Emma. Make sure you say hi to him for you. Go. Oh yeah, their parents are here too. So yeah, man, what strength we has a, have as a family when the seed of God germinates. Don't let him steal it from you. If he's pulling it out of your heart today, Won't you let us know somehow, some way that we can pray together as together we stand and together we sing.